Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com It's Monday, 10-16-2023. A manic Monday, college football week seven is in the bag. It's in the books. We're moving on to Kate week eight. It's going to be a hard one. I'm sitting here with my boy at Fans First Sports Network, Andy P. We're going to talk a little college football, man. What's up, Andy? How you doing today, bro? Doing A-OK. Excited to be talking about some college football. This is probably the weakest week that we've gotten to do as a show i'm not gonna lie like week zero week one was pretty bad this is if you got a favorite team that's playing this week good for you get into it if you're a fan looking to like jump around tv and looking for good games you're gonna have to look a little harder yeah yeah i think definitely overall the lineup this week is not as intensive as normal but the thing is, is that the games that are at the top of the slate Man, I you know, there's going to be a big one I'm going to talk about when I'm outstanding. There's, there's something going on down there in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and a couple other places. But definitely for sure, the top of the slate is hard and heavy. But the rest of the slate, man, man, oh, man. But we're here. We're here on Fans First Sports Network, Level Up Podcast. We're here to talk about college football with everybody out there. Andy, before we move on, man, we're just going to talk a little bit about that big game last week, man, which I think maybe decided the Heisman Trophy. I called Washington, and he called Oregon. We're going to talk about it. The Washington Huskies win 36-33 with an epic performance by Michael Penix Jr. to win that game. But, Andy, what's your recap about the Oregon-Washington game? Man, I think a lot of people are going to fixate on the fact that Oregon had – three fourth downs that they went for. They didn't get any of them. And I think a lot of people are going to sit back and say, you know, if they just would have kicked the field goal, they just would have punted. This game would have ended differently. And I'm somebody who out of those, out of those calls, I think, I think Dan Lanning is one of the more innovative coaches with the way that he game plans so aggressively. And I think, I think that only one of those calls was the wrong call. Uh, and that was not going for the field goal going into halftime. You don't win games like this with field goals until you do. And, you know, those three points would have come in real handy at yeah. the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, and, but I, I thought that this was a really evenly matched game 
And you you kind of touched on it. Like Michael Penix Jr., man, he was not healthy going into this game and still balled out. Yeah. I thought one of the best things that the Washington def- uh, Washington offensive coordinating staff did, they knew that Oregon was going to bring the house, and they were they were letting Penix swing it, and they were yeah. running an NFL type offense that was based entirely on timing. It was yeah. based entirely on trust. It was based entirely on we trust this guy in the receiving core to hit you know three step hit a spot wide receiver will be there. The coverage is going to be what it is, but he's going to find those slots. I, I thought that that to me, like we Caleb Williams is a once in a generation prospect. I think he's going to be a very good NFL quarterback. Oh. I don't know if he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. I tell you what, I think Michael Penix jr. Has just as high as a ceiling as anybody coming out of this draft class, man. He wow. looks wow. the part. Wow. Hey man. Andy, that is unbelievable. And you know what? This is the thing. Me and you, I think, were a little split concerning like yep. how it was going to go. And we kept saying the quarterback that plays the best game is the guy who's going to win this game. And Bo Nix didn't play a bad game. Nope. But Michael Penix Jr., I think, elevated himself to the top of this year's Heisman class. And I think without a shadow of a doubt, we are looking at possibly the Heisman Trophy winner. There's a lot of football to be played. Still yet this season to decide. But, you know, when you start going back and looking at Heisman moments, I think that Michael Penix Jr. had the Heisman moment of the year so far to lead his team down there late to get a touchdown to go ahead with the score. And, man, them them singing Purple Rain at the end of the game in the (laughs) stadium was unbelievable, man. What a moment for college football. And this is why we do the Level Up podcast. We recap and talk about and then project forward with games to let you guys know if you don't have a love and a passion for college football, this is why we love it. Because moments like that, you can't get that, in my view, in professional football. You can't get it in baseball. You can't get it anywhere else but college football. So that's why we do what we do. So, Andy, we're going to shift gears. We're going to move to this week's slate. At the top of the head, man, we got the game of the year for my team. And I'm going to put it <laughs> The Ohio State Buckeyes host the Penn State Nittany Lions in Columbus, Ohio, in the gray out with all gray uniforms. If you haven't seen them already, go online and check them out and look for them because the uniforms are unbelievable what they're going to wear this week. Ohio State's favored by four and a half. It's the game of the year. Number three versus number seven. Andy, talk to me, man. What do you believe is going to happen? And this game with the Ohio State Buckeyes versus the Penn State Nittany Lions. This is one of the most, like we were talking last week about how Oregon and Washington was an evenly matched game. But there was the big, like the big question was, how is the run defense going to show on both sides of the ball? Because both teams had a little bit of a weakness statistically going in the, uh, going into the game with their running, running defense. Facts. This is a game where neither team really has that kind of a weakness. Like if you if it doesn't matter what metric you look at, both of these teams are top ten across the board in both passing defense, rushing defense. You know, SP plus has Ohio State as the number two team in the country with the number four defense. Yeah. Penn State is in the top ten with the number two defense in the country according to SP plus. You start looking at things like uh, rush rate and and clean pocket rate and all these things that both of these teams do. It's just a really even matchup across the board. 
that's right. going to be decided on defense. And and to me, I think that's we knew that the Oregon Washington game was going to have points. Yeah. This we saw a Notre Dame Ohio State game earlier this year that was an all-time classic that didn't have a ton of scoring. Facts. I I know this game's at noon. I know this game like has the potential for both offenses to potentially show out like Marvin Harrison Jr., absolute freak of nature. But I feel like this game's going to come down to defense and it's going to come down to whichever offense can make a couple of those splash plays because the splash yeah. plays are not going to be easily available for either offense. Andy, man, I could not could not agree even more. I think that this game, this game actually right here is going to tell a lot about these two teams moving forward for the college football season. I mean, it's the game of the year, like I said, for both teams. But the big deal is who's going to come out at the end of the game saying that they're the best team on the planet or they're the best team in the Big Ten East because it's mono-e-mono, player-on-player. I mean, I think that there's studs on both sides of the ball. There's NFL first-round talent on both sides of the ball for both Penn State and Ohio State. When you look across the board, I legitimately say that Penn State and Nittany Lions have anywhere between seven and 11 first-round NFL draft picks between offense and defense over the next year or two. And I can say the exact same thing about the Ohio State Buckeyes, that they have between seven and 11 first-round NFL draft picks. I'm talking about not just first-round, but high, top 10 draft picks. And it's loaded up on both sides of the ball. I think the game comes down to, and I this, I mean, I could go all day about different players, different positions, and all whatever else. But I think this game comes down to Ryan Day versus James Franklin. Yep. The issue is James Franklin has traditionally shown when he the pressure is on playing Ohio State or playing Michigan that he lays an egg. And Ryan Day doesn't lose to Penn State. So the question is, has James Franklin put his team in position? He's got a quarterback. He's got running backs. I got a little iffy questions about his WRs. He's got a decent offensive line, and that, that defense is outstanding. But are they in position mentally and physically to walk into Columbus, Ohio, and get the dub? That's what I think, Andy. Just tell me a little bit about what you think about that coaching matchup. I 100% agree with you. I, I know that Ryan Day has has taken his lumps because he hasn't won the one game on the schedule that Ohio State has to win every year. I, I get that. I get yeah. that. But so much of those games have not really ever come down to coaching. It's come down to physicality. It's come down to mentality, which I know the coach has a, has a big hand in. But Michigan likes to play a certain style of football that nowadays is a bit of a lost art. But yeah. you look at these other big games that Ryan Day has historically had, and I have always been impressed with the way that Ryan Day game plans up against a big-time opponent. You yeah. saw that in the Notre Dame game where – it looked really obvious that Notre Dame was going to run Audric Estime into the ground in that game. And yeah. Ohio State completely took away the running attack and made Sam Hartman try to win that game. And he yeah. ultimately could not. If yeah. you look at the Georgia playoff game from last year, Ohio State probably should have won that game if it wasn't for some exceptional plays made by first rounders on the uh, on the Georgia offensive side of the ball. Ohio State played a hell of a game in that game. And when you look at Penn State, 
James Franklin has traditionally gone pretty conservative in these big games. We even saw in the first game against West Virginia. Now, I know West Virginia is not a scrub. They've they've shown that our preseason expectations of that team were maybe a little bit lower than they actually are. But, like, West Virginia is yeah. not necessarily a great team. Yeah. And James Franklin opted to play a very conservative first game of the year, let West Virginia hang around that game for a lot longer than I thought West Virginia could hang around in that environment. Yeah. And – he also has a young team. Like I think this Penn state team next year has the opportunity to be a playoff contender, but some mm. of their best players, whether it's at cornerback, whether it's at running back, whether it's at quarterback, we're talking about redshirt freshmen. We're talking about sophomores yeah. who, you know, it, it's tough to win these types of games with young rosters. I'm yeah. not saying it can't be done, but you usually need something to go wrong or to go up against a bad game plan. I, I just, I cannot see Ryan Day coming into this game without having an A plus game plan. And, and yeah. to me, like that is like he has proven it in the past. And yeah. so I'm not going to bet against Ryan Day's history of of not coming into this game well prepared to take on Penn State. Hey, Mandy, that's a great point, and that leads me to something that I want to say too. The game plan for the Ohio State Buckeyes will depend tremendously on the health of the Buckeye players. They're, yes. they're banged up over there, man. You know, Emeka Bukwit set out last game. Travion Henderson set out last game. Mayan Williams set out last game. And there's people out there all in podcast land and, and sports following land. It's, why isn't Dallas Hayden? Why, why isn't Dylan Hayden? Why isn't he starting? Why is he not? Go back and watch the All-22 film on Patreon. It'll show you why he's not starting. He almost got Kyle McCord killed a few times with his inability to pick up the blitz on pass pro. So now if he's, if he's a weapon that you can utilize on certain sets during the football game, great. But you can't win this game without Trip Trainum. You can't win this game without Travion Henderson. And you can't win this game without a Mecca Buka. I like Tate. I like Enos. The freshman showed in Purdue why they're there. And while we're stockpiled at WR, but it's going to come down to those guys who are battle-tested and battle-proven to be able to handle their business with the Buckeyes this week against Penn State. Because I think, I really do believe when it's all said and done, this game will determine the landscape of the college football playoff more than any game. I know that Michigan and Ohio State is coming. I know there's some huge games in the ACC, in the SEC, and in the Pac-12. But I think this determines it. This tips the scale, and this says which, which team's going to go. Because I'm telling you right now, ladies and gentlemen, Ohio State pops Penn State, it's on. It's on. It's what they need to get over the hump, to get to the top, and get to that college football playoff and represent. So I'm saying, and the same difference with Penn State, James Franklin's not been able to do it. And if yeah. he can pull it off with this team, look out. Look out, because Penn State's not dropping another game. So I'm letting you guys know, this is the this is the game that swings it out of the park for either team. And that's why I'm so, so excited, outside of having some big G bias for the Buckeyes, for sure, for sure. Hey, so Andy, we talked about it. I don't want to go into a lot with players. I don't want to, you know, let's just get a raw feel and game call for the Buckeyes. Who do you got to win? What's the score and why? I think when you talk about the recipe of a great college football team, we've seen it be time and time again. You need to have a defensive unit, the whole defense, needs to be one of the top five in the country. I think both teams are coming into this game with that part. 
So then it turns around to like, what are the difference makers? And you need to have a playmaker on offense that can just do things that most of the other guys on the field are not able to do. And when I look at Penn state, I think that there's the potential that maybe their quarterback is that guy next year. I think maybe the running back is that guy next year. I haven't seen it from either of them this year. Yeah. Marvin Harrison is that guy. And when you look at what happened in that Purdue game, Marvin Harrison Jr. targeted more than any other wide receiver uh, that Ohio State had. He had 13 targets. My boy Andy P. froze with the internet. I think he had 13 targets with eight or nine catches. I think for sure, for sure, he's out there balling out of control for the Ohio State Buckeyes. So I like the fact that Ohio State does have the playmaker that you can't stop. And I think that the Ohio State Buckeyes will win. That's bias, for sure, for sure. But, you know, I I just think that Ohio State, moving forward, has a team that's just unstoppable. I don't know if it's because we are spoiled because of guys like C.J. Stroud that's been there and uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olaves, but Ohio State's loaded. Penn State has a team. They have a squad. But I think Andy's dead on with saying that this year, and Penn State's just a year early. So that's what I'm thinking for sure, for sure. I'm going to give my boy Andy a second to come back in because his internet is having all kinds of problems. But I'm going to let him come back in for sure and give his take because the Buckeyes' big-time game, big-time football is going to be going on at Columbus, Ohio, for sure, for sure. While we're there, while waiting, I'm going to take a quick commercial break to give Andy an opportunity to come back in. If you're watching us live on YouTube, Give us like 10 seconds. We're going to pause. Give Andy an opportunity to jump back in, and we'll go from there. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. And we're back live on the Level Up Podcast. Fans First Sports Network. Andy, I, I ran it down. I didn't break it down and give your score and your prediction. I just took a quick commercial break to give you a chance. I know over there in Brooklyn, New York, there's a lot going on with the internet right now, for sure, for sure, bro. So listen, you pick up right where you left off with, with what's your prediction and why you want to win and who you want going on for the Ohio State game. I'm I'm picking. I was gonna I was saying all these great things. I was just basically coming down to say Marvin Harrison Jr., he's he's the guy. He's the difference maker in this game. Ohio State has a 5% big play percentage, which is one of the highest in the country. 
It's almost all tied to Marvin Harrison Jr. That's the difference. I think Ohio State wins this one 17 to 13. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a slugfest, but I, I think the Buckeyes gotta pull this one out. Man, Andy, I like the, the prediction of Ohio State, but I like the score a little bit different. I like Ohio State 28-17. And I think that Ohio State will get either a pick six, fumble return, or, and I can't believe I'm saying it, but I just think it's time, a kickoff or punt return for a touchdown. I think that the Buckeyes win this game and a huge explosive play. And I don't know if it's going to come from Marvin Harrison Jr., but I think one of those receivers, Ennis, Tate, Xavier Johnson, Ameka Buka, Marvin, one of them is going to hit Penn State big. And that's going to be the difference in the game, along with that special teams or defensive score. And JTT, it's time for you to shine, buddy. We saw what you did last year against Penn State. It's time to put it on. So let's, I'm cheering the Bucks. Andy's taking the Bucks. We're saying let's go Bucks for the first game of the preview for sure, for sure. Andy, I took a commercial break already, so we're just going to flip and go fast to the next game. We got a big-time game down there in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yeah. Alabama, who we thought was dead and buried, has shown up with a pulse. Five and one, ranked number 11 in the country, taking on the Tennessee Volunteers, Jalen Milrow. Hey, this game speaks volumes for the, big, for the SEC this year. If Alabama could some kind of squeak this thing out, and win like they've been winning with the condition of what's going on in Georgia. We'll talk a little bit about that later. Mm-hmm. Hey, and Tennessee, hey, don't look now. One loss coming into this game and can, can actually make a statement in the SEC East. So, Andy, give me a little quick breakdown about Tennessee versus Alabama. You know, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Alabama has fundamentally shifted how they play football the last few weeks of the season. And a lot of that comes down to Nick Saban doing something that he really doesn't like to do with his quarterbacks. Jalen Milrow just hasn't been very good at throwing the short intermediate passes. Uh, If you take a look at his passer rating uh, between the numbers, between 10 and 20 yards, like that's where good quarterbacks cook. He's only got a 59.2 passer rating. Um, this season it's just not been his strong suit but when you start looking deeper down the field he has been incredibly effective he's got a plus 100 passer rating uh outside left between the numbers outside right 20 plus yards down the field everywhere and I i think a lot of what this offense has become much to nick saban's chagrin is a lot of let milro just take some shots down the field and it's it's actually working which is weird for me to say um and and i think that that's been the biggest difference here is that we've seen milrow he's not going to be playing on sundays he's not jalen hurts 2.0 he can't really make those tough intermediate throws in between coverages that you like quarterbacks to do but he can throw a really pretty deep ball and he can escape pressure and those two things together can work at the college level Hey, and Andy, I don't disagree at all. I think that that Tennessee and Alabama are sort of mirror images of each other because Joe Milton plays the exact same way. Joe Milton intermediate passes 10 to 20 yards because they run that fast, hurry up outside the hash, offense four wide, spread it all over the field. His intermediate game is horrible. It's not the same way how Tennessee was last year when they had Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman and all those other guys. 
So he's been able, in my opinion, really to develop that number one receiver. But when he's got guys running streaks, running go routes, running just straight up the side, straight up the field, hey, Milton has been money. And I think that, that's why I said they're mirror images of each other offensively. I don't know necessarily about defensively, but offensively, they are mirror images of each other. The only thing I like a little bit different or a little bit better for Tennessee is Jalen Wright, the running back. Jalen Wright has put together a great season. He's got 571 yards rushing. And I think you get that when you spread the ball all over the field. You know, it opens up those rushing lanes. You know, you think it starts thinking about the inside A gap, the outside Y gaps. They run those counter trace inside runs. Hey, if he makes one guy miss, he's to the house. So I think that's where the advantage tips a little bit in Tennessee's favor. However, I will say Alabama's offensive line is young and they've gotten better as the weeks has went on. And that number 74 left tackle, offensive tackle for Alabama, freshman, that kid's All-American. I mean, I'm telling you right now, whenever his is time to go pro, he's the number one and number two pick if there's not a quarterback on the board. I saw him improve and level up from week to week to week. And the kid's playing great football and protecting Milrow. So, so I think that it's going to be a slugfest in Tuscaloosa. Andy, you got anything else you want to tell us about this game before we give a prediction and or a score? I, I just think it's going to be a really interesting game because you take a look at, you know, expected points added per, per running play. Tennessee, yeah. positive per, per running play. Alabama, negative when they try to run the ball. Versus Facts. in the passing game, Tennessee's negative EPA when they pass the ball. They're just taking too many shots that they're not hitting. They're turning the ball over too much. They're just sloppy in the passing game this year versus yeah. Alabama that is as effective as Tennessee is on the run. Alabama's yeah. just as effective in the passing game. It, it's really going to – it's going to be weird because if this game was last year, uh, you know, it would be a lot more fun offensively. I think this is a yeah. game where when Tennessee has the ball, they're going to try to run and slow it down. And when Alabama has the ball, they're going to try to pass and speed it up. And it's just – it's weird to talk about these two schools in that in those ways. It's such it's such a difference. But I, you 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 kind of hit on it. The Alabama defense is for real. I I do not think that the Tennessee defense is nearly as good as the Alabama defense is. And I think that for me, that's the difference right there. Man, I like it. I like it a lot, Andy. So we gave him a preview. We gave him some nuggets. We talked about the the ins and outs for the team, who we like, what positions is going to be a battle. Let's give them a score. Let's talk to them about what we see, who's going to win the game, and what's the score. So, Andy, I'll let you go first because, you know, we got some games we split on throughout the college football playoff level up podcast show. Yep. And Andy's won a couple and Big G's won a couple. So I'm going to let Andy go first this time just to see what he says. We've been we've been actually pretty good about this. Like I feel I feel like you and I are both, you know, when we agree on something, like it's, it's pretty obvious why we agree. And I, I yeah. like – I, I don't love the spread in this game. Like if you're if you're somebody that likes to bet the spread, eight and a half feels like a lot for this kind of game. Uh, I think Bama's going to win. I think Bama wins this game, maybe twenty eight twenty four. That that yeah. feels about right. Uh, I, I do think that Bama's the better team. I think their defense is going to get just enough stops, especially given that the Tennessee passing game is so bad because. I, I, there's going to be a lot of times in this game where I feel like Tennessee is going to be chasing the sticks. And that is the one place you do not want to be against Alabama is yeah. chasing the sticks. So I, I just think that Bama is going to be in a better position to take deep shots, take some risks. Their defense is going to put them in a position to succeed 28, 24 
Bama is sneakily going to be playing their way back into a conversation for the SEC title. Andy, I like the pick. I even like the score. I think that, that Alabama has an opportunity to, like you said, put themselves in position. But I will say this. I think this game is going to come down to the last possession. Whoever has the ball last is going to win this game. And it could be that Milton could mess around and hit squirrel. You know, that little that little linky wide receiver small guy out there and hit squirrel for a big play and mess around and they'll be pulling the cigars out again one more time in Tennessee. But I like Alabama right now, but it's going to be close. I say final score, 28-27, Bama. Bama scores to win the game. So I, it's going to be close, and I would not be shocked if the Tennessee Volunteers mess around and pull it out because it's going to be – I really think they're really that close to be balanced. And I, last thing I got to say about this, if for some reason Tennessee beats Alabama, this might be the end for Nick Saban. I'm not saying he's going to get fired. No. I'm saying that it might be time for retirement for Nick Saban because I don't see him getting a high seed moving forward with the 12 tween playoff. And what's killing Alabama, like sort of like it's killing Clemson, is you're not able to stockpile talent anymore because of NIL. Good players are going all over the place and playing for good coaches all over the place. So your inability to stockpile talent might be why Saban's saying, hey, man, it might be off into the sunset. But I, I like him to win because I think he's playing to prove a point because this might be his big chance to prove that, hey, I'm still a contender in the college football playoff. That's why I got to pick him this week. But I wouldn't be shocked if Tennessee makes a difference in this game, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I think I think Vegas is looking at this game and looking at, you know, it's, it's a Bama home game. They're giving them a little bit too much credit here. Uh, but I, I agree with you on the sense that I do think that Nick Saban is going to retire before he ever gets to a position where he's forced out. But I mm. am – I, I am intrigued by this. You know, historically, Nick Saban has always been a little bit ahead of the curve with a lot of things, uh, whether it was the transfer portal, whether it was, you know, the, the way that offenses were going in college football. Like he was one of the early adapters of this new spread uh, yeah. motion based offense. Yeah. I, I this NIL wrinkle is definitely new. Like he's been definitely talking about it in the press in different ways. Yeah. I'm intrigued to see. Now that we've kind of gotten a feel for it, what happens next year with the 12-team playoff with the way that Saban chooses to build his team? Because remember, this team was supposed to be quarterbacked by Drake May. That was always the plan. And, you know, NIL in its early days was part of the reason why May was able to go over to UNC instead of going to Alabama. I do not think that Nick Saban is going to allow something like that to happen again. But it will be interesting to kind of see how it plays out in, in the recruiting cycle, in the transfer porter cycle. Because, you know, we're seeing what Drake May's doing at UNC. If he was on this Bama team, Bama's a national title favorite. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> Bama's not, with Drake May on this team, Bama's number one in the country. There's yeah. no ifs, ands, buts about it. They're number one. But like you said, he had to settle for a guy that he necessarily didn't want to play quarterback. So, yeah. so I, but like I said, I think this game's going to be close. And I'm, up, and I'm telling you, look for a big play for that squirrel. <laughs> that, squirrel, that squirrel white is a, is a bad boy. He's a little bitty fella, but if he catches it clean, he's out of there. So, but I like Bama to win the game 28-27 and keep trying to fight 
for opportunity to play in the college football playoff. Andy, we got a big one in the ACC. Florida State, Duke. Weird. Wow. Weird. <laughs> it's weird. That's why I paused awkwardly, just because it's so weird to say a big one in the ACC, Florida State, Duke. I mean, this, this right here separates who's going to the ACC championship game. Because based on the schedule and based on how they play each other and how this one's able to duck that one and that one's able to duck this one and who's playing who, where, and wow. I know North Carolina's still lingering out there somewhere, but this game right here is going to decide one of the positions in that ACC title game, without a shadow of a doubt. Andy, talk to me a little bit about the Florida State Seminoles tomahawk chalking at the crib <laughs> against the Duke Blue Devils coming in there saying, hey, man, we're the bully on the block. Talk to me a little bit about this game, man. Yeah, this is the, the ACC is weird because, of course, the year that the ACC ditches conferences and ditches the divisional format, they get this year where Clemson is already dealing with two losses, math, basically mathematically eliminated from, from the conference title game. So right. then you've got UNC, Duke, Miami all fighting, trying to stay undefeated. Or st in Miami's case, they have to play one loss the way, uh, or they have now two losses thanks to the UNC game. So they're out now too. So right. you're dealing with like, but again, UNC was not was a good team that we were talking about. Duke was Duke is the surprise crasher here. The thing with Florida State that I want to see is are they a legitimate playoff team? Because I, I, I we talked about this a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, we saw the we saw what was going on in the Pac-12. We see what's going down in the SEC. You're going to have probably an undefeated Big Ten team. It's either going to be Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. One of those three Ooh. is going to go undefeated and, yeah. and win the Big Ten. That's they're, they're in the playoff. We're going to talk about Georgia, but if, a healthy, if you have a healthy Georgia, they probably go undefeated. They're in the playoff. Yeah. So now you're talking about a litany – of schools that need to go undefeated because a one loss Florida state probably doesn't cut it next to a one loss insert, whatever other school you want to kind of match up with just because of the strength of schedule. And so I have had a lot of questions about Florida state this season about, do they actually play like a national title ranked team? Like if you look at SP plus they're top 10, they're not top four. You look at defensively, they're top 20. They're not top 10 offense. They is where they make their difference. And a lot of that is Keon Coleman. Like that oh. kid, I watched what he did to a Syracuse secondary that's very good schematically, but not very good to a man. Yeah. And Keon Coleman was just out physically them. He was just getting up at a higher catch point. He was just running routes that couldn't be defended. And George Travis still has some habits from Louisville that I don't love. He's yeah. making some really weird decisions. He's hanging onto the ball at weird times. He feels ghost pressure at times. Yeah. It's he's not an the elite quarterback that I thought he might take the step into. Yeah. But when the job is just chuck the ball up to Keon Coleman, it makes life easy on the offense. And so I'm intrigued to see what this Duke defense does because the Duke defense is well coached. They don't have any amazing athletes anywhere but they do a really good job of scheming themselves into wins and into good positions. And so that to me is how do you, how do you neutralize Keon Coleman? Facts. And, and let me say this, you know, people always say that I'm biased all the way. And you can probably can tell based on my background, my gear, my clothing, <laughs> that I'm a Buckeye, that I'm a Buckeye till I die. But let me tell you guys something. 
Marvin Harrison Jr. might be the best wide receiver in the country, but the Beliknikov winner is probably in Tallahassee, Florida. Keon Coleman is unbelievable. He is definitely a top 10 first-round NFL draft pick. No ifs, ands, buts about it. I've watched him on all 22 film on Patreon, and it's unbelievable how this kid gets separation, gets yak yards, and gets gets the catches where people just get mossed. You know, that's what he does. And he does it on a regular and consistently. But Duke's got a defense now that'll put you in the mouth. They're not scared. Duke is not scared of Florida State at all. And that's that's a huge difference because traditionally in the past, Duke has always been the little brother in the room. Florida State's been the big brother. So now we show up and we're not scared. I mean, that, that's going to make a lot of difference for this game for sure. And like you said, Jordan Travis has deer in the headlights moments like where he's like, man, what's going on out there? And, and, and Duke has that type of defense that'll shake a guy up. Just ask Sam Hartman. Ask Sam Hartman what a guy like, what, what Duke's defense will do to you. So, And there's some NFL players on that Duke defense, without a shadow of a doubt. And they run a traditional 4-3 style defense that blitzes. I love 4-3 blitz. If you're <laughs> going to blitz and you're going to put pressure on the quarterback, yeah, you can see it coming, but the issue is can you, if, can you stop it? You see it coming, you got six guys, seven guys slid down into the box. Stop it. Stop it if you can. So I like that. You know, I like that ability of Duke defensively. I think it's going to come down to Duke's offense. Can Duke's offense generate enough points to hang with Florida State in this big-time showdown? That's just my points for this game. Andy, let's give them what they're waiting for. Let's give them a score and a prediction for the Florida State Seminoles and Duke Blue Devils. Yeah, man, you you hit the nail on the head. The Duke offense is really going to be the differentiator here. And, you know, you go on, if you subscribe to PFF and you get their premium stats, you get their grades, uh, both offensively and defensively for every game that a, that a college team plays. Really helpful to identify some trends. The Duke Blue Devil offense has been in a slide since that mm. win uh, against Clemson. Like they, oh. they, they played some soft teams. They played Lafayette. They played Northwestern. And yeah. ever since then, the offense has just been getting worse and worse graded. It's, it's just an offense that is not very explosive. It's very predictable. They're trying to do something, and they're just trying to out-execute you. And what I saw, I saw a Syracuse offense go up against Florida State this past week that tries to do the same thing. Uh, they have a quarterback, Garrett Trader. They have a running back, uh, uh, LaQuint Allen, both of which probably better than most of the Duke offensive playmakers, if I'm being honest, a little biased, but I'm being honest. The difference yeah. is that Florida State has Jared Verse, and that man mm. – he is he's a bit undersized when we're talking about his like pro prospects, but he yeah. is absolutely disruptive to whatever you're trying to do because he's so quick and he's so explosive. He nice. can, if you're trying trying to run a zone read on him, he'll just simply get around it. If you're trying to run a power game on him, he's going to slip through the cracks and he's going to get into the backfield because you're you're going too you're going too hard at him. And I think yeah. that's really what we're going to see in this in this game here is that the Duke defense the Duke offense is going to struggle to contain Jared Verse. Jared Verse is going to blow things up on defense. Uh, Keon Coleman is going to blow things up on offense. I think Florida State wins this game, and I do think that they win. Ah, I'm going to pick them to win this game 28-10. to 10, but, but what I would like to see, I want to see Florida State 
make a statement. I want to see them put up 30 plus points. I want to see them hold Duke's off offense in the single digits. I want to see Florida state prove that they are playoff worthy. That's, that's what I want to see out of this game. Andy, man, the segue is, is beautiful going into what I was going to say about Florida state, because I think this is their statement game heading into the shootout with them and the hurricanes getting it on and at ACC later on. I think that Florida state blows Duke out. 38 to 10 and say that they should and deserve a playoff spot. And I would listen, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you guys something. I know that we have the, the college football playoff ranking show that's coming at the last week in October, but I wouldn't be shocked if Florida state is the number one team in the country. When the poll comes out, I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't be shocked. I understand. I know that Ohio state, Penn state is a big one. Ohio state, Notre Dame, I understand what's been going on out in that wacky Pac-12. I get it. I, I know that Texas and Oklahoma went at it, you know, but I would not be shocked if Florida State ranked number one in the country based on the shellacking that I think they're going to put on Duke and the shellacking that I think they're going to put on the Hurricanes before that poll hits and what they've done in their body of work. Because let me tell you something. LSU Tigers is one of the most dangerous football teams, and we're not even going to talk about them on the show today. But LSU, nobody wants a piece of them. And Florida State manhandled them. So I wouldn't be shocked if Florida State's ranked number one in the country. I would not be shocked. So I, 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 go ahead, go ahead, Ann. No, no, Big G, you just, you just convinced me about that because I, I, I didn't really think about it that way. But now when you look at who Florida State's beat, they beat LSU, they beat Clemson, if they beat this Duke team, that's three top 15 wins in the country, and no one else has that resume. And and that's yeah. what the college football playoff rankings are all about. It's all about your yeah. resume. And yeah. and that is a I as an ACC fan, I'm a little bit upset at myself that I didn't I didn't see that coming. But <laughs> hey. as an ACC fan, I will gladly take that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm you you got to give credit where credit's due. I know that you, like I said, there's been huge games. Washington, Oregon, and I, I covered them. Te Texas, or Oklahoma, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Penn State. There's been big games all over the place. But the resume, when you start talking about the body of work for a team, Florida State beat down on Duke is going to sp speak volumes to the committee. And I, I wouldn't be shocked because they're because they're going to blow Duke out, and I think they're going to give Miami the business. So when that body of work comes up and you look at the end of October, don't be shocked if Florida State's ranked number one in the country. Do not be shocked at all. Hey, Andy, we got one last game and then one thing that we're going to talk about from a, just a preview standpoint. Because I, I got I got a, a bone to pick with the SEC and a beef to pick, but we're going to get to it, right? But we're back out there in that Pac-12, man. I mean, it's been wacky. <laughs> there's no other way to say it. it seems like every week this is the week a for the level up podcast on fans first sports network and we have been in that pack 12 every week there has been a game where we had to circle the wagons and identify what is the game and man this is this this is no exception utah versus usc trojans usc just took a shellacking a beat down took you behind the woodshed boat rid whatever you want to call it by the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and Utah is ticked. They're five and one, and they're like, we don't get no respect. Nope. So, Andy, set up the game. USC versus Utah. I just want to give both you and I a shout out here for calling that USC Notre Dame game. That one was just, 
that, you know, if you listen to us, you would have realized what Notre Dame was trying to do there. We we saw that one coming from a mile away, and I just I just want to give us props. Hey, for hey Andy, I'm going to make you a sign, too. But when I get on one of those, I get to talk about G. Stradamus. <laughs> G. Stradamus can see way out. And we both saw that Notre Dame was going to smash the Trojan boys. So and this, and this is what makes this Utah game really concerning for me if I'm a USC fan because I do not know what's going on with Cam Rising at this point. We've got the doctors saying one thing, the coach saying one thing, the papers mm-hmm. quoting anonymous sources. At this point, I'm just saying Cam Rising ain't playing until I see him on the field taking a snap at quarterback, okay? Yeah. I'm just yeah. – I'm done playing this Cam Rising game here. Yeah. What Utah has done without him, though, has been – incredibly impressive mostly because they've just they've leaned on this running game so hard and it has been so efficient and one of the things that I am just impressed about at any time when a college team can run the ball so well that's coaching that is that is legitimately just coaching And, and when you take a look at what they do you Utah just runs the ball up the middle and, yeah. and out wide like they are yeah. they are running either a counter off tackle or they are running a dive straight up the a gap and yeah. it's it's not it's so hard to b- beat when you do it well and i'm looking at this usc defense that just got gashed by the running game against the yeah. game you know that they're going to be focusing in on that but for me i think i the book's out on that defense right now yeah. if you can keep the ball out of caleb williams's hands by running the ball holding on to the ball Man, Caleb's gonna press, and and this USC offense for someone that for a unit that's been coached by Lincoln Riley for this long, I yeah. am not impressed with what I'm seeing uh, out of this USC offense from a schematic standpoint. It's a lot of just let Caleb Williams cook, and, and while he is a great player, and while he can cook up something right now, he's starting to look more like Russell Wilson on the Broncos than Russell Wilson with the with the Seahawks. Wow, that's saying he's washed and he's already not even in the pros yet. So, <laughs> so that's saying a lot. Hey, but Andy, listen, Utah, uh, Notre Dame West is Utah. Notre Dame West is Utah without a shadow of a doubt, right? They play just like Notre Dame. But the difference between Utah and Notre Dame, and I've been saying it all along, Notre Dame has NFL corners, ladies and gentlemen. Xavier Watt, let me tell you something. First round NFL draft pick. <laughs> the kid's a baller. And that, that's one of those defensive backs for Notre Dame, without a shadow of a doubt. So does Utah have that on defense? Maybe, maybe not. But they play physical, and that's what you, you, USC doesn't like. USC doesn't like teams playing them physical, in your face, put pressure on the quarterback. Because Caleb Williams, as magical as he is, he doesn't like pressure. That's why he had those three turnovers against Notre Dame. He was running all over the place, scrambling all over the place, trying to make a play, and I get it. And when he's pressed, he's he's not there yet. So this game is going to be closer than any game out there. And, oh, God, don't let Rising run out of the locker room. You're talking about Utah getting a charge of energy. It's going to be unbelievable because I've heard, just like how you've heard, Andy, He's going to play. He's not going to play. He's ready. They've been holding him back for this game. And let me tell you something. Utah, if they win this game, they win against Oregon, look out now. (laughs) Utah's in the Pac-12 championship looking Oregon in the face and be like, beat us now that we got our quarterback. So there's a lot to play for for Utah in this game too.
as well as USC. But, you know, that's just me and Andy P. Spin on it. Andy, you know how we do on the Level Up podcast. Give me a score. Give me a prediction. Who's going to win this game, Utah versus USC Trojans? I, I look at this game, and I don't I, – I've, ha- I've made this rule now. I'm getting burned by picking Pac-12 road teams. I keep doing it. They can't come through. Winning on the road in the Pac-12 is really hard. And yeah. getting a USC that's going to be motivated to bounce back is a tough spot for Utah to be in. Yeah. But – I I just I can't look at something as obvious as a quarterback that isn't dealing with pressure well and a defense that can't stop the run and, and pick that team. I Ooh. it's just those are just red flags for me left and right. I really like this Utah team. I like what they've done to date with the offense and with the struggles that they've had. I mean, you you can just like the, their only loss so far this season was on the road in Corvallis when they got the best of Oregon State. You know, mm-hmm. they went on the road and they beat Baylor. They played a hard-fought game against UCLA. They obviously won that game against Florida. The, yeah. Their resume is really solid. And USC yeah. is probably the best team that Utah has faced to date. Yeah. But I, I just – I think it's really as simple as Utah can run the ball. USC's defense can't stop the run. And that's going to keep Caleb Williams on the sideline. And that is, that's a really good, that's a good recipe for an upset here. I like Utah to win this game 20 to 17. I think Caleb Williams throws two picks. And I think that's the difference in the game. Man, Andy, that, that is a haymaker for a pick. And I like it. I mean, I like it. I like all the reasons why you said it. But it's just something about Caleb Williams and Mike White. (laughs) It's something about, that I think that he's pissed. I mean, there's no other way to say it. And what you don't want is a guy who is the number one. And let's get let's make this perfectly clear. He's the number one NFL draft pick. I don't care how good Drake May plays. I don't care how much Michael Penix does. I don't care what Marvin Harrison Jr. does. I don't care if the Chicago Bears get both the Carolina Panthers in their pick and they go both one and two. Justin Fields, you're out of Chicago if the Bears get the one pick. I'm telling you right now, Caleb Williams is really that guy. He's Pat Mahomes 2.0. That's who he is. And I think he's going to make something happen and happen big. I like USC's freshman, number one. He's the closest thing to Reggie Bush I've seen out there in a Trojan uniform and all God knows how long. The kid's electric. And I think that Mike Wiley, coming off losses, and go back and even look at his days in Oklahoma, the next team in line, they blow him out. <laughs> that's That's been what he does. That's been how he does. And I just don't think that Utah can generate enough offense to hang with him. So I like the Trojans 35-21. I like like Caleb Williams to throw three touchdowns, maybe four. And I like the USC to still have an opportunity to maybe play in a Pac-12 championship game. And this is an elimination game for Utah. This is the first game out of all the games I've picked, Andy, that we've been doing the show. Where my insides is like, because I don't know what to believe, but the proof is in the pudding. And Caleb Williams has shown me that he's that guy. So I got to ride with him in this game. I like the Trojans to win for sure, for sure. Andy, that's our show, but I got a beef to pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, we, we, I think we both got a beef to pick. Brock Bowers, he's out four to six weeks for the Georgia Bulldogs. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you guys something right now. And I know this is going to be as controversial as all get up. The Georgia Bulldogs are pretenders. Their next four games, they might lose two. I'm telling you right now. But between what they got going on their next four, Florida Gators, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and who am I missing, Andy? They got one more team. Florida Gators, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Missouri. Missouri, that's yeah. Next, that's their next four. Split two on a row, two at home. Without this guy, Brock Bowers, who's a top five NFL draft pick, I mean, he's Travis Kelsey 2.0, Georgia's pretenders. There's no way that the Georgia Bulldogs is winning the gauntlet, is going to run the gauntlet and win all those games. Now, I will give credit where credit's due. Bowers is unbelievable. But don't buy the hype that the Georgia Bulldogs are the number one team in the country. They haven't proven anything. There's their, their team, and I'm not going to get on it this week, but there's another team in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that hasn't proven anything yet either. And so I'm telling you, this is the time where Georgia takes the L. I, I hope that Brock Byers recovers. They're saying four to six weeks. I'm telling you right now, if it's the five-week mark and they're not in contention for the college football playoff or in the SEC championship game, he's not going to play anymore. He's sending his draft stock to the NFL. But this right here is going to show you that it's all over with for thinking about all you guys down in Athens, Georgia, thinking about that there's going to be a three-peat going on. Nah, it's all over because it just got mailed in by the injury with this kid. Andy, what's your thoughts about Bowers? Taking I mean, this is about as bad of an injury that Georgia could get. Uh, I like you're, you, If you take a look at his snap count right now, first off, He's yeah. probably he's the best tight end in the country, bar none, both blocking yeah. and receiving. Nobody yeah. else does does it all the way that he does. But if you look at the way that Georgia utilizes him, he has for a tight end lined up on 178 snaps on the line in a traditional tight end. He's yeah. also lined up in the slot receiver position 133 times this year, more than Ooh. any other player on Georgia's roster. So not only is Georgia losing their best blocking tight end, they're losing their best slot receiver. And so then when you look at what Georgia's offense has done this year, they've targeted Brock Bowers 51 times in just seven games right now. Uh, And and that is more than any other wide receiver or tight end on the roster. The next highest tight end or the next highest targeted guy is Dominic Lovett, who has only 30 who has 38 of 38 receptions for just 283 yards yeah they are their offense has gotten into a rhythm by just giving the ball to brock bowers and now you're taking that away from them just as they were finding that rhythm i do not know schematically how you fill this void because there is no one else on the roster who can really fill this role they lost darnell washington to the steelers this past year yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> but, but like if you think about it from an offensive perspective that would have been the guy who like yeah. without bowers like that's who just naturally fills into that role yeah, and now yeah. but there's just no one else on that roster and so i i unless there's somebody that we don't know about uh unless there's somebody on this roster who's ready to take a giant jump that we haven't seen yet which i don't yeah. think is likely they do have the bye week this week, which I think is a blessing in disguise for them. Yeah. Like they needed Facts. they need this week to, to plan things out. But I, I'm with you right now. Like I, I think 
Florida's not necessarily that good, but I circle that Missouri game, man. Missouri is really squirrely. They have an NFL group of wide receivers. That defense is not elite, but it's good. And if you're one dimensional, they're going to do some things. I am, if I am prognosticating out into the future here and Brock Bowers is going to miss at least four more weeks after this week. Yeah. That Missouri game to me is the one that Georgia takes the L because I think the I think Eli Drinkwitz has something cooking right now in Missouri, and I think that's the team that has the talent, the NFL level talent, to take it to Georgia and and give them the L without Brock Bowers. Andy, like I said, I got to get you a Gistradama sign because <laughs> you, you have said the exact thing that's going to happen. Missouri, if you remember back, Missouri was the team that should have beat Georgia last year. They had them dead to rights. They had them dead to rights going into the fourth quarter. It was over, right? And for some reason, Missouri turned the ball over, and Bennett got it late and was able to put together a drive and go down there and score a win. So I think this is comeback and payback. And Missouri is chomping at the bitch, y'all. They want Georgia bad. They want to prove that last year you shouldn't have been even playing for the national championship anyway. But that gauntlet, just like how we said Notre Dame had the gauntlet with the four games. Listen, Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Florida. Oh, come on, man. Come on, man. It, it's too much going on right there. You're not going to survive it. Not without the best player. Matter of fact, I, I'm willing to say the best player you had on your roster the last two seasons. And that includes Jalen Carter. That's in the NFL wrecking shop. And all those defensive players descended for the Philadelphia Eagles right now, wrecking shop. Bowers is really that guy. He's he's I'm telling you, when he gets to the NFL health on the right team, he's gonna tear the league up. They're not gonna have no answer for him at all. I was talking to my son-in-law about this, who's a diehard Bears fan. I said, if if I'm sold on Justin Fields and I got the number one and number two pick, I'm taking Marvin Harrison Jr. and Brock Bowers. And now what you're going to do with DJ Moore, <laughs> with Darnell Mooney, with Komet. Now what you're going to do. So so I, that's how high I am up on this guy from an offensive playmaking standpoint. He's unbelievable. So, But Georgia's not going to survive without his ability to make plays for the, the Bulldogs. Agreed, yeah, last year's. Last year's team could have done it because they had so many other weapons. They had the ground game. They had the offensive line that was so good at yeah. doing so many things. Like we, we saw it the first few weeks of the season. Georgia was purposely trying to find offense that didn't involve Brock Bowers as the 1A, the 1B, the 1C read yeah. on every play. And yeah. it, just, it just didn't work. Like we saw them play bad against bad teams. Yeah. And it, it's – I, I I am not saying that this guy is the same level, but like I'm seeing it with my Syracuse Orange. They yeah. lost to Rondé Gadsden, who is the same type of player. He's not as good as Bowers, but yeah. he's a tight end who primarily plays as the slot receiver and allows your offense to target the deep middle of the field. Yeah. When you don't have someone that can naturally fill that void, your offense becomes incredibly one-dimensional, and you need to do what Alabama's done, and you need to either say – screw it, we're just going to throw the deep ball, and we have guys that can do that. Yeah. And you look at this Georgia team, they don't have that explosive playmaking threat in the passing attack. They don't have as good of a run game as they've had in past years. It is it, it, 
I, I think you hit the nail on the head here. Like this is probably the most impactful injury that we are going to see in college football, period. End of story. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. So my bone to pick with the SEC before we get off is this. I got a question. Georgia drops a game, one loss, going into the SEC championship game. LSU handles their business. Pops Bama makes it to the title game. LSU plays Georgia, LSU wins. Does the SEC get a team in the college football playoff? Because you got two losses everywhere. That's my question to you, Andy, before we get off. And this is my beef with about the SEC bias that's always existed in college football. Like, we give them the benefit of the doubt. But they don't have the strength of schedule this year across college football like they've had traditional. So that's my I, question to you. I mean, you look at it, yeah, and you are really relying. It, honestly, can't believe I'm saying this. If they don't get if they don't get it together, you're relying on Bama to win out and to win the SEC title game to beat yeah. Georgia. Yeah, and and that is, seems really hard for me right now. Again, yeah. we just talked about how Bama's put it together. But yeah, there's there's no one else really in the SEC right now who has the resume besides yeah. Bama, and there's no one else, you know, in Georgia, in the SEC East who looks primed to to catch Georgia even with the slip up. Like I think Missouri could do it, and I think Missouri's a really solid team, but they're not Bama good. And so then all of a sudden now we're talking about okay, a one-loss Bama or a one-loss Missouri versus a one-loss, hypothetically speaking, Ohio State or Michigan. Right. I, I'm going to take the Big Ten over over the SEC in that choice. We're yeah. talking about a one-loss. Uh, what happened? Here's a fun one. Washington and Oregon meet in the Pac-12 title game again, and yeah. Oregon wins the rematch. And now Woo. you, like, you got to send one of those teams to the playoff. Do you which one do you pick? Uh, hey Andy, what about Oklahoma and Texas meeting back, and Texas pops Oklahoma? One of them goes. Uh, exactly. You know? the, there's there's going to be so many one loss teams that are going to have amazing resumes, and I I do think this for like we you you talked about it earlier in the show that first playoff ranking is going to be so important not because of where teams are ranked like oh I think that's where it's going to finish. It's yeah. going to give you an idea of what the voters value, and that yeah. will help us better understand what teams have to do in terms of do I have to stay undefeated or as a one-loss team, like do I have the cushion to lose one game and, and make it into the playoff? Yeah, this year's strength of schedule is going to be the whole vote for that first playoff. And that's why I'm saying, based on if Florida State wins out, Florida State's probably the number one team in the country. I, I'm saying, like, by the time the playoff hits in the end of October, uh, I think the only team that could actually give them a, a vote or run for the money at one would be the Buckeyes. Uh, with a win over Penn State and a win over Notre Dame, Ohio State could hang their hat and say, hey, we should be right there. But Florida yeah. State schedule, man. But like I said, this is not a year the SEC can say, oh, it's because the SEC. No. No, it's not like that this year. There's 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 teams everywhere. And so I, I th I'm thinking – we, we could be on Armageddon. <laughs> Armageddon <laughs> is no SEC team makes it to the to the 
college football playoff. And that would be unbelievable. But maybe this is Andy P and Big G seeing out there with a G Stradamus moment. <laughs> maybe we're we'll seeing see way it. out there. We're seeing way out there. Maybe, maybe we don't see. We don't see an SEC team playing. For sure, for sure. Andy, we're to the end of the show. We want to thank everybody who was over in the live chat rocking with us for sure, for sure, on Fans First Sports Network Level Up Podcast. You can check us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you're watching it, listening to it. Go back and listen to it because we bring you great, solid information concerning college football. For sure, for sure. Andy, you got anything you want to tell everybody before we're out of here? As always, make sure that you're subscribed to the feed on all your podcasts so that way you get this show every week. We'll be doing this live on YouTube every week. Uh, Big G and I are loving doing this, and we cannot wait to do it again with you all next week. For sure, for sure. Hey, so for Big G, for Andy P, Fans First Sports Network Level Up, we're out of here, and we'll check you guys next week. Uh, Go Bucks.